DW Africa Link it's exactly 5 p.m. here in Bonn, Germany, the same time as Nigeria. Hello and a very warm welcome to DW's Africa Link, where we dig deep into the latest news from Africa and beyond. I'm your host, Josie Mahachi. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Welcome to the show. We're also live on our Facebook page, DW Africa. So drop your comments there. Always happy to hear from you. Here's what's coming up. Some Kenyans are unhappy with President Ruto's frequent expensive trips. He has promised to reduce them. I'm going to adjust my budget again. I will knock off a few things, including the travel allowances and many of the things that are in there. Okay, but can some diplomatic issues be handled without the president having to travel along? We hear from an analyst. Okay, so you know we're Africans, as it is. Sometimes some people feel that they have to be there, uh, you know, as the heads of the countries, as it is. But there are some countries that have ceded these responsibilities to their diplomatic heads. That and more coming up. But for now, stay tuned for the details after the world news in brief. DW News. Welcome to the news. My name is Jen Nyingi. German President Frank-Walter Steinmeier has asked Tanzania to forgive his country's colonial abuses. President Steinmeier said he was ashamed of crimes committed during a German rule. He's wrapping up a visit in which both Germany and Tanzania agreed to strengthen ties. At least 20 injured Palestinian civilians have arrived in Egypt from southern Gaza, More than 100 foreign passport holders have also reached the Egyptian side through the Rafa border. It's the first time people have been allowed to leave Gaza since the current conflict between Israel and Hamas began. It's unclear how long the crossing will remain open. DW's Rebecca Ritters is in the Israel town of Sedrot near the border with Gaza. It's a complicated process, but it, for the first time uh, since this war began, we've, we're starting to see uh, evacuees be able to cross that border. We know that, that there is a, a bigger list of around about 7,000 uh, dual nationals or other people who work for NGOs that are on various lists. And we've been hearing for, from sources within the British government that they expect around 500 to 1,000 to be able to be let out potentially uh, each day. And to see who and how and when... Uh, the next list will be published and when those people will be able to cross over. But it's a very positive sign that we're seeing the sick and injured be able to cross to better medical attention across the border. DW's Rebecca Ritter's. Meanwhile, Israel airstrikes have hit Gaza's biggest refugee camp for the second day in a row, according to the Hamas-run government in Gaza. Israel has not confirmed that it was responsible, but it had admitted bombing the Jabalia refugee camp a day earlier, claiming that a senior Hamas commander was targeted and killed. Palestinian officials say 50 people were killed and more than 100 injured in that strike. This news is coming to you from DW in Bonn, Germany. The African Union has announced a high-level mission to Niger in the hope of securing the country's return to constitutional rule in the week of the coup earlier this year. The EU Peace and Security Council has urged the military rulers in Yami to set a precise calendar for the restoration of a civilian government. Pakistan has begun deporting more than a million undocumented migrants from Afghanistan. An estimated 1.7 million Afghans have been living in Pakistan illegally. 
tens of thousands have left before the ultimatum to depart voluntarily or face arrest and deportation. Many had sought asylum in Pakistan and face grave risks in returning to Afghanistan. And French President Emmanuel Macron has arrived in Kazakhstan for talks aimed at closer cooperation. France wants keen to boost its profile in the energy-rich region. Kazakhstan has emerged as a replacement fuel supplier to Russia since the war in Ukraine began in 2022. For more news and information, head on to our website dw.com forward slash Africa. My name is Jen Nyingi. Thanks, Jane, for the news and thank you for sticking with us on the program. This is DW's Africa Link from Bonn, Germany, with me, Eddie Micah Jr. And I am Josie Mahachi. We welcome you all, our listeners, on our Facebook page, DW Africa, and also through all our partner stations across the continent. Let's dial, what well, that's a dive and delve. I was going to combine those two <laughs> words, but let's delve right into it with Kenya making headlines and the country's president, William Ruto's alleged globe trotting. President Ruto's extensive travels uh, to numerous countries is sparking conversations about the associated costs. Now, those costs are not just financial, uh, but experts say they also have potential impact on the nation's economy and its citizens. Our correspondent, Andrew Wasike, is on the ground and tells us more about the story. Here in Nairobi, the spotlight is on President Ruto's extensive travels. With over 39 trips abroad in just one year as president, concerns are mounting about the costs and implications. It is worth noting that part of the rising costs associated with President Ruto's travels also lies in the sizable entourage that accompanies him on these journeys. Ruto, this week just fresh from another trip from the Congo Brazzaville, defended his travels saying he will just slightly trim his travel budget but emphasizing the trips are necessary. I'm going to adjust my budget again. I will knock off a few things, including the travel allowances and many of the things that are in there. Ruto brushed off his critics, saying in three weeks he will have a repeat trip to Saudi Arabia and defended his trips by saying he had landed Kenyans thousands of jobs in his recent trips to Germany, the USA and Canada and brought in dozens of investors. I've had the opportunity to speak with both supporters and critics of President Ruto's travels to understand the various perspectives. Some applaud the global engagement, while others express concerns about the financial burden on the nation, particularly at a time when high taxation and the cost of living are pressing issues. Godfrey Osotsi, who is an expert in business diplomacy management, says the trips involving the president are too expensive. Uh, I don't think that doing well. President of South Africa has only made 75 trips in five years. The rest of the global engagement are done by the foreign minister. Uh, Those trips could be justified, but it is not necessary that he travels. We can use our ambassadors in those countries. Adan Kainan, an MP who is also an expert in international relations and diplomacy, has hailed the trips, saying they are vital and important. Within a very short time, President Ruto has emerged as a Pan-Africanist. He has emerged as a broad business president out of his international excursion. Allow them to do things the way they understand as long as it benefits the people of Kenya. Other Kenyans like Halima Fatah say the travel experience could go in developing villages in remote counties. 
I mean, I think from from where I sit, when I look at that budget, I see a dam somewhere in my region, for example, because it's a lot of money to spend on trips when there are no immediate outcome results. And I think the fact that uh, there is almost a consensus to slash down highlights that there was no need for the travels in the first place. Critics say that Ruto needs to consider the financial implications of these frequent trips and how they affect the daily lives of ordinary citizens. But others also have outlined the opportunities that Kenya can benefit from the trips as President Ruto's globetrotting presidency raises questions about the balance between international engagement and domestic priorities. It's a complex issue that goes beyond mileage, delving into the economic and the political landscape of Kenya. Andrew Wasiki with that report. I find that a pretty interesting uh, uh, piece. I mean... Especially when the president now says he wants to cut down the budget and reduce his trips. I mean, at least, he's a listening <laughs> president, no? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we, we went to our Facebook page, TW Africa, to find out what you guys have been saying. Uh, basically asked the question, do you think that the cost of routers overseas trips is a worthwhile investment in Kenya's future. Let's take a couple, Josie. Mm, Patrick Bobo says it's a waste of state resources. Poor people barely find food to eat and take care of their necessities. But African leaders will be extravagant in spending, usually on foreign trips that brings no dividend to the livelihoods of the people. <laughs> this comment made me smile a bit. Samuel Damatita says, Kenya is even lucky he's not doing that in a private jet. That costs the taxpayer 17,000 US dollars in an hour like the current president of Ghana, Ekufu Ado. He travels with a rented jet. So, yeah, this, uh, you know, comparing which president splashes we more actually, taxpayers' money. Yeah, and we actually have that coming up, Eddie, mm. on the next story. Mm. Yeah. Well, another comment uh, on this is from Kobet M. Mioba, who says, those criticizing him are enemies of progress. <laughs> this situation is also here in Zambia. Our president is diligent. However, people are criticizing him. Okay, now those are your comments. Keep them coming on our Facebook page, DW Africa. That's right. Now, still digging deep into this one, right? Some analysts are saying William Ruto is not the only one embarking on these many expensive trips. In Africa, the fleet of presidential planes is diverse. Ivorian President Alassane Ouattara, for instance, has no less than 10 airplanes in his presidential fleet. Meanwhile, some African leaders, such as Cameroon's Paul Bia, Zimbabwe's Emerson Mnangagwa, to name just a few, they prefer to charter luxury planes. Yes, but on the other hand, Ed, it's not just the number of aircraft in a presidential fleet that matter. The real story often has more to do with how these multi-million dollar flying machines are acquired mm. and the expenses that come with them and the travels. So what are some specific objectives African presidents aim to achieve through these frequent and expensive international trips? Was the first question I asked Ifi Oji, a political analyst in Nigeria. Okay, so that's a very straightforward question as it is. When you look at it, some of the small countries in Africa, I would think that when you have the uh, presidents or their heads of state or their, you know, leaders travel, they go there to ask for some favors or ask some other countries or the big countries to come in and help them develop their own economies. But often, I've said that um, some of those visits at some point tries to weigh down on the economy of these countries. When you set out to go, you know, to these other countries, going about to ask for whatever it is that they go to ask for, 
do they think about the implications? If you look at it, some of them need to begin to think about homegrown solutions to whatever it is or the problems that we go to talk about in these other countries. But there are some also that travel for health purposes. What would you say about that? Okay, so that's a huge one, again, mm. on African countries. Uh, some have even tagged it uh, medical tourism. And I ask myself the question, what do you mean when you talk about medical tourism? How can you say that you are a country or you're a nation? You don't have hospitals where you can go to as the leader of a country. Uh, take, for instance, when you look at the big economies in the world, how many of these leaders get out of their own countries to say, I'm coming to Africa to use the hospital in Africa? That's not possible. But you find that African leaders set out to go to these countries. I think it's ridiculous in this age and time, spending taxpayers' money. Now, most of these countries, they travel to if he have diplomatic ambassadors. So one would wonder, I mean, what are these ambassadors doing or why are they there if they cannot rather handle some issues without the presidents having to travel? Okay, so you know we're Africans as it is. Sometimes some people feel that they have to be there, uh, you know, as the heads of the countries as it is. But there are some countries that have ceded these responsibilities to their diplomatic heads. Quite a number of countries allow their diplomats or their ambassadors that they have there to deal with these issues. But you still find some um, leaders or some heads of governments or, or countries saying, look, I must be there uh, present, I must be present there to deal with some of these issues. So it's as simple as it is. People need to delegate authority. You can't send someone there, he gets paid, he's representing the country there, he's representing the leader of the country there. Yes, you find your way. And when these leaders travel, they don't just go with one or two persons. Mm. You have an entourage of people, uh, you know, retinue of eight going with them. It also falls back to taxpayers' money. While people are wallowing in abject poverty in some of these countries, you find people, a privileged few, traveling with the leaders of this country to go do what it is that the representatives that they've sent there to do. And based on your analysis, I mean, are there any alternative approaches that African leaders could consider achieving their objectives without these extensive and expensive foreign travels? Okay, so, um, yes, there are quite a number. People begin, people talk to themselves now, uh, you know, you know what it is when you talk about having conversations. You don't have to be present there to have those conversations. People are having meetings now, virtual meetings, mm-hmm. and outlining what it is that they want. I think governments need to be sincere. For the countries that still have some of the artifacts, that you find some uh, leaders in Africa moving from one continent to the other to say we're going to talk to people to return our artifacts. When you look at it, if there are countries, big economies, that know that they owe uh, countries in Africa. It's just for them to find a way to harmonize whatever it is and see that those things are repatriated uh, back to those countries. So I think the conversation uh, conversations have to be ongoing. They have their embassies. They have their, their missions, foreign missions, where these discussions can be had. You know, So people need to be sincere. And when I talk about people, I'm talking about the governments involved. I hope the governments involved are listening. I was speaking there to a political analyst in Nigeria, Ifi Oji.
Yeah, I, it was a quite uh, revealing interview to, mm. to say the least. I mean, in, in a nutshell, what do we take from this? You know, so on the one hand, civilians are saying, hey, you're using my taxpayers' money for, for, for all these expensive trips. I'm not benefiting anything at all from it. And also, what are the diplomatic ambassadors doing? Because mm. they're also paid hefty amounts when they're in these countries. And I'm sure there are some times that they can also obviously represent the presidents, you know, mm. and instead of the presidents are traveling. And also, um, if you mentioned on uh, medical tourism, mm. you know, it's there's always justifications from these governments. But I think the biggest lesson here could be that when COVID hit, remember, nobody could travel. So we need to learn on actually so, <laughs> improving our health systems in Africa. Work, you know, exactly. so um, let us know your thoughts more on our Facebook page. DW Africa. Now, just a reminder, you are listening to DW's Africa Link program coming to you live from our studios here in Bonn, Germany. My name is Josie Mahachi. And Eddie Micah Jr. is my name. Connect with us on our Facebook page. That's DW Africa. Like and follow the page and comment on the stories we're covering. Now, coming up in the next few minutes, after learning from a terrible personal experience, one woman in Zanzibar is educating the youth on cyber safety. Most of the social media victims are young people for whom I see a big challenge. In today's digital age, young people have become vulnerable to getting themselves into trouble through their online networks. Every post reveals our personal information, making it easy for someone to track our movements and harm us. Mm, Really looking forward to take some notes from her experience. But before that, we're going to try to answer this question, Josie. Mm. Why is it so difficult to protest in Zambia. Okay, I mm. yeah, that's a very big and yeah. good question. Yeah. The thing is freedom of assembly is guaranteed under the constitution, but it is usually not respected by authorities. Now, permits for political rallies and protests are usually withheld by police. They also sometimes use lethal force to disperse certain groups such as opposition political parties or ordinary citizens who express anti-government views. Our correspondent, Glory Mushinge, examines why this is so in the following report from Zambia's capital, Lusaka. From preventing some protests to withholding issuance of opposition political rally permits, police in Zambia are accused of infringing on civil rights. Under successive governments, they have often used the excuse of inadequate manpower to police such events. But many also point to the controversial Public Order Act. The Act regulates processes of assembly and expression requiring residents to obtain police payments to enjoy such fundamental freedoms. It is no wonder citizens advocate for its repeal. So, a proposed draft bill was introduced early this year by the Zambia Law Development Commission. Home Affairs and Internal Security Minister Jack Mwimbu welcomed it. The New Dawn government wishes to demonstrate its commitment towards undertaking several legal reforms aimed at enhancing the rule of law in the governance of this country. But the process has dragged on for a while. The government gave the explanation through Information Permanent Secretary Tabo Kawana. The opposition in our country are free to hold their own political activities. They just must ensure that they do so in accordance with the law and abide by the provisions in the Public Order Act. Anything outside those boundaries has got its own ramification, and if people dare infringe the law with impunity, they will be met with equal and necessary measure to correct the situation. 
And that is the same public order act that even the government knows is problematic. Apparently, when a party is in power, they do not feel the impact of the act, as constitutional lawyer John Sangwa observes. You see, when you're in the position, you cry about the, the public order act. But when you are in government, you, you see actually the benefits of the act. But you see, that's not the way democracy is supposed to operate. Always remember that today you may be in the opposition, tomorrow you've been the ruling party, but you may also stop being a ruling party and go back into a position. So you have to create an environment where you can function, whether as a ruling party or as a party in opposition. It remains to be seen when these legal and practical obstacles will be dealt with. For now, as long as this act remains intact, it is almost a given that protests and other political gatherings in Zambia could continue being fired. Thanks, Glory Moshinge, for that report. Yeah. Let's jump straight to our Facebook page, DW Africa, because a lot of people had some things to say. How's the situation in your country? T-Square Tom says, here in Malawi, we have uh, a lot of police officers. As long as they get paid at the end of the day, it's okay. More security. I can even hire them to provide security on my birthday party, you add. Mm, and Kola Moses, also from Zambia, says, yes, it's true here in Zambia, freedom of speech and assembly. We don't have anyone who oppose the current government will be arrested. We are living in fear in our country. Menkem Martin says, are they not ashamed to say that they don't have enough police to maintain security? Are in the youth in the country, you know, available to be recruited is basically what you're trying to say. Mm. And Dennis Deno says in Uganda, it is worse security forces deploy even before the day of the event. Now keep those comments coming on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Tell us what it is like in your countries. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure we're going to get many more comments Mm -hmm. live on our Facebook page. Uh, Jose, let's talk about technology. I mean, it's technology we're using to even broadcast this, right? Yes. I mean, you, you... And us communicating when you're in Ghana, I mean, telling you, bring me chocolates. Yeah, like, besides <laughs> the point. <laughs> but bottom line, technology is very key. Mobile phones, you know, we all have the mobile phones. Everyone has access to it. Billions of people around the world. Now, that can be a blessing, right? But it can also be a case if extra caution is mm-hmm. not taken, especially for minors. Now, social networks on these mobile phones can pose significant risks from scammers, fraudsters, cyberbullying, and sexual predators. A young woman who fell victim to such cyber attacks is now doing all she can to prevent others from growing through the same thing. That's right. This is the story of 23-year-old Anlam Mohammed from Zanzibar, presented by our correspondent Naomi William. She was eager to make it big and was willing to do anything to fulfill her dream. So she contacted someone online and gave him access to her account. But that decision turned out to be a costly mistake. The person she trusted scammed her and she lost the Instagram account she had worked so hard to build. Although she was hurt, she learned a valuable lesson. Ahamlam Mohammed is now trying to protect children and youth from cyber threats, including cybercrime and cyberbullying. She educates people between the ages of 15 to 25 on proper social media usage and how to protect themselves. 
Ahamlam shares the reason for doing this. Most of the social media victims are young people for whom I see a big challenge. In today's digital age, young people have become vulnerable to getting themselves into trouble through their online networks. Every post reveals our personal information, making it easy for someone to track our movements and harm us. For this reason, I choose to educate this group on the importance of online safety. Many young people still need to understand the rules and mistakes and how they can be prosecuted for misuse of social media, as they do not know their safe use. Ahamlam shares the story of Zulfa Hassan, a young girl in her class, who profess a lack of understanding regarding the appropriate use of social media can cause harm. Zulfa was in a relationship with a friend she met on social media and sent him her seminode pictures. She was edited in the photos of herself that she shared with her boyfriend. After an argument, the men edited and published the photos of Zulva wholly naked. This case psychologically tortured her. Without her parents checking to see whether it was genuine, they blamed her. It caused her family strife and disgrace in public. She nearly lost her life trying to escape embarrassment because she didn't know how to use social media correctly. Ahamlam has encountered various cases ranging from online abuse and bullying to fraud. However, it comforts her that she plays a vital role in positive societal change. Ahamlam strongly believes that young people are the backbone of any nation's workforce and future leaders. If young people fail to use the internet properly, it can lead to the downfall of their nation. Young people should understand themselves and their values early on. Sending nudes or private information over the internet is neither allowed nor recommended, as it can lead to online abuse and put one's safety at risk. Young people must proactively protect their phones and themselves for the future. After all, they are the future of our nation. One wrong decision can ruin one's reputation and cause dishonor in the community. Thanks, Naomi William, for that very informative um, report on cyberbullying. Yeah. One needs to be very careful. We have to be. And uh, it's also a lesson to people that do not take security very seriously. We just splash a lot of ourselves out there. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with doing that, but, you know, with the right security checks and you know takes being made but because you're in otherwise, love with someone and you're sharing you know yeah you know you, and then things go bad the next thing most of the time things yeah. go bad because we don't check these security boxes so it's it's just really caution mm. out there to people but josie there's a lot more news making headlines across the continent absolutely um, one key one is ghana is asking germany for support in the fight against terrorism. We know that uh, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz um, visited it? Nigeria and then was in Ghana. So this is when this was discussed. We asked people to have their say on uh, on this request. Let's check out one or two. Yes, Zewola Simeon says Ghana is independent enough to take decisions by herself. It's not a bad thing asking for assistance, but bringing in German troops won't be a good idea at all. Well, he didn't say why. Yeah. But yeah. Tantinjo says that's... Ado's request, please. Ghanaians never voted the opinion he shared. 
individual request is singular. Well, he's the president of Ghana, so it comes as natural, you know, well, yeah. it's the whole of Ghana. But well noted, your comment. Mm-hmm. Now, for more on this story, on this story rather, you should uh, wait and listen to the story of the week on yeah. Friday with uh, DW's Isaac Mugabe. Yes. Now, let's talk about something else uh, it's it's i woke up this morning and i was i was, I was checking that out talking mm. about uh, king charles in kenya and uh, basically he touched on you know the british colonial rule it lasted seven decades in in most parts of of east africa including kenya um but people are still saying that it fell short he touched on it but it fell short of an apology he did not apologize mm. for the atrocities that were committed and i'm telling you a lot of people have had their say they really wanted him to say we are sorry yes mm-hmm. now lawrence babila says no surprise here like he's not surprised he didn't apologize or he didn't say much mm. to it kofi otabo says i'm sure they've identified something unique in kenya to exploit god save my african continent okay in nasa syria rafael says he came to visit not to apologize because there are avenues in which such issues are done mm. Well, Kweju Chivi is uh, has this comment that is basically trying to say that there wasn't much of a big deal. Okay. Um, I think that's just going to open a whole new kind of worms. Um, I think the issue of apology, though, uh, uh, Josie, is, is, is something that's being talked about more and more countries. I mean, Ghana's president, Tukufado, even mentioned it one mm-hmm. time in a, in a talk at the UN, I believe. Um, he's t- talking about reparations. Mm-hmm. And uh, experts, if you talk to experts, they tell you that, well, the reason that the, the people or countries, former colonial powers, are falling short of an official apology is that then it comes with, okay, then how much money are you going to you know, mm. uh, uh, give us for this? Is it ever going to be enough? How, how, how often... You know, how long would they have to be paying into this? So it's mm-hmm. it's quite a complicated uh, place, but people just, at least for the start, want to hear, I'm sorry. Like the president uh, of Germany did today to mm-hmm. uh, Tanzanians that he said, I would like to ask for forgiveness for what Germans did to your ancestors here mm-hmm. in court. So maybe that's what people really want to hear. Yeah, well, let us know more what you want to hear on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Thanks a lot for your time. There's more stories on that page, so feel free to share your thoughts on that. Absolutely. Until tomorrow, my name is Josie Mahachi. For now, take care. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. DW. Made for Minds.